Hello and welcome back to the Hope Podcast Show. I am Devin's Jackson, uh, coming to you from Devin's Jackson's Ministries, presenting once again the Hope Podcast Show. So we're grateful that you guys are here. So thankful that you decided to come back for another episode. So I'm 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 ecstatic, man. I'm hoping and trusting that you have been enjoying this as much as I have. I, I'm telling you that I have really been having a wonderful time. With this, uh, excited about, you know, what God is doing in this ministry, excited about what God is doing with this. So to hear your comments and to read your comments and to um, just be able to get the feedback that we're getting, I'm once again, I'm humbled and I'm thanking God for all that he's doing, you know, with this. Um, He's already superseded my expectations. You know, and that's just how God works. When you put things in his hands, he's able to do with it what you can. And so once again, I say thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm so grateful for all the guys and thankful for what, you know, God is doing with us uh, with this podcast show. So listen real quick. Tell somebody, share it with somebody. Let them know we're on the air. As always, we're going to go and give some announcements and I'll be right back. We're going to dive into this book again, Ephesians. I can't let it go. Ephesians chapter one is what we're dealing with. Verses three through six today. Uh, It's just this Ephesians is one of my favorite books and I love it. Um, Just how God speaks to us uh, through this book is amazing. So listen, go get you some pencil and paper as usual. If you're riding the car, keep listening. Um, Get the work. You got something that that was said that encouraged you. I want you to write it down with this. Take notes and um, keep applying this to your life. And I promise you that this book is, is going to continue to get better and better and better as we go through it. So at this time, we're going to go get some announcements and then we'll be right back. Bless you. Welcome to the Hope Podcast, part of Devin's Jackson's Ministries and the Body of Christ Church. We hope that you will join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. It's going to be a hashtag amazing 2023. Exciting things are happening at the Body of Christ Church. Our work in progress after school tutoring begins Wednesday, 4.30 to 6 for students in first through sixth grade. We also have our Triumph Athletics For children in our community, football, cheerleading, track and field, basketball. Sign ups now for track and field ages 5 to 18. Come worship with us. Pastor and Lady Jackson, love God and people above all else. You will be so glad that you came. We hope to see you Sunday. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Welcome back to the broadcast. Listen, y'all ready? I'm excited. Let's dive into this word today. Let's see what the Lord has to say to us through the book of Ephesians, chapter one, verses three uh, through six. And that's where we're going to start today. We're going to kind of continue to keep diving deeper and deeper into these scriptures and into this text. There are no words to kind of describe, you know, the 
the the backdrop and the and the setting that God has us in when He talks to us through the Book of Ephesians, man, it's just it's mind boggling. It's it's amazing to me. I am grateful. Um, just to be able to get into this with you. Now, listen, if you have any questions about anything, um, feel free to write in. Feel free to um, make comments, uh, share um, what, what's, what, what's been good for you throughout this book. And um, just how, you know, it's blessing your life or, or maybe something you want me to go into a little bit more detail about or to try to explain a little bit better way. Just, just let me know. All you got to do is write in. Uh, shoot us a message and we'll be glad to kind of further elaborate on some things that you want us to to elaborate on. I want your feedback. I want to hear your thoughts concerning, you know, this study as we go through the book of Ephesians. So we're going to dive uh, right into this real quick. We're going to talk about, um, you know, this from the perspective. Like I said, I'm taking my time. We're going to go through it. Don't want to rush this uh, because I want us to get everything that we can get you know, out of this, out of this text. So when we look at Ephesians chapter one, verses three through six, Paul says to the church at Ephesus, praise be to God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one whom he loves. Now, we're going to talk today simply from the subject. uh, Praise God for the consequences. Praise God for his consequences. There are consequences that I want you to see. Uh, in this text now, and I told you this alone litany of praises to God, we should praise God through certain things. And I'm not going to go back through all what we're talking about, but I will here just to kind of give you a brief overview because we have, uh, you know, been in these four glorious verses <laughs> for the past, you know, this month, so to speak, all month we've been here. So as we discovered Uh, When we began uh, this glorious study, Paul is praising the Lord in these verses. Right. You know, in fact, uh, as I said, his anthem of praise runs all the way through uh, verse number 14. So if you look at one through 14, you see the anthem of praise there. And in these first four verses, Paul praises God, the father for his sovereign work in salvation. And then Paul tells us in verse three, that God is to be praised for his charity. And, and, and you know, God is, is so good to his people. And since he is a good God, he has, uh, he, he has good, Thoughts towards those whom he loved, right? So his his good thoughts uh, towards the redeemed manifest themselves, uh, you know, in 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 good gifts to his people. So I think God deserves to be praised for that, don't you? I really do. Uh, you know, God lavishes us with good gifts. He just don't give us things that. Um, not necessarily just what we want, but God gives us great gifts. And I think that we should in return when somebody give you something, especially something that you don't deserve. It's just the right thing to do. 
is turn around and praise them or to thank them for what they're doing. And that's our job. We should be willing uh, to give God the praise. We should be willing to give God glory for what he's doing. Now, then when you get to verse number four, uh, Paul tells us that God is to be praised for his choices. Now, this verse drew us into deep spiritual waters, right? But we found out that our salvation was not an accident. It was part of God's eternal plan for our life. He loved us in spite of our loss and our sinful condition. And he saved us by his amazing, his marvelous, incomparable grace. And I think he deserves praise for that also. Grace is that unmerited favor. You cannot work for what God has done for you, people of God. So we have to praise him. I don't know about y'all, but I wish I could see some of y'all right now. If you just think about how good God has been to us, how he has shared his grace and his mercy in our life. And we should be willing and ready to give him praise for it. But now, as we move on to the next few verses here, in the verse 5 and verse 6, Paul tells us that God is to be praised for the consequences, right? His love for us and his choice of us in salvation. It produces for us some powerful and eternal consequences. Now, I want to share those consequences uh, with you today. Just in these few verses, I want to talk about this. Now, when I'm, when I'm through... I hope that you will agree with me that God is to be praised for the consequences of his love and of his salvation towards us. Now, I want to examine real quick those consequences, if you will. And I want us to dive into this together today so that we can get what we need to get out of this. So if you're taking notes, this is the first point I want you to make. Uh, if you're writing this down, we're going to be in verse four in the B part. Um in that text. And I want to talk about that because the saints in that text have been altered. When you think about it, the saints in the text have been altered. God's purpose in election is to save us from sin and redeem us by his grace. That's his whole purpose in that plan. God's elective decree is eternal and it's unchangeable people of God. So what God purposed, in eternity past is that he brings the past in time. Every single person he chose in Jesus before the foundation of the world is going to be saved and will join him in heaven uh, someday. So but while that is God's eternal purpose, his elective decree has consequences in the world today. So when a lost sinner is saved by the grace of God, get this, that lost sinner is forever altered by the salvation God gives through Jesus Christ. Now, this this verse mentioned two of the consequences, if you will. Number one, that first consequence is we are altered in our practice. So in our practice, we're, we're altered. We're different. The verse says that after salvation, we should what? We should be holy. Now, the word holy refers to a most holy high thing. It brings to mind the holy things in the tabernacle and the temple that was set aside for the exclusive use of the Lord. That's what that word means. Now, when we were saved, me and you, we became saints. Verse one is right there. We became a holy Things set apart for the master's use. Now, 
we all know that we all fall short in our practice, right? None of us is a, as holy as he or she should be. We also know that we are not as wicked as we used to be either. So in other words, if you are saved, child of God, there has been a change in your life. There's been a change in your life. According to 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 17, you have been set apart and you have been, watch this, commanded to live your life under the will of God, our father, according to first Peter one and verse 16 and two, you know, he purchased us to himself. When, when Jesus Christ died for us on the cross, according to first Peter chapter one, now he says we are, he is, we, he owns us in the, in, in both body and in spirit. Now, if we are saved, we are his and we are not what we used to be. Right. We, we have been uh, radically and fundamentally changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's the first altar. So then the second altar, we are altered uh, not only in our, our what we do, but we're altered in our position. We are to be holy in our practice, people of God. But but we are declared to be blameless. That's in the text in our position. We got to be blameless you know, in our position, the word translated blameless here means without any blemish, no fault, faultless, unblameable. In other words, it is the same word that would have been used to describe uh, the perfect sacrificial animal that were bought, that was brought to the sacrifice. So now if we be honest about it, we all know that we are not perfect, right? We, we all know that we are still wicked sinners prone to, to failure and, and, and just wallow in sin. But while we may not be perfect in our day to day walk with God, the Lord sees us and he's made us through our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, according to the Bible, when we, when we came to Jesus for salvation, God, then that very moment, he justified me and you. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in Romans chapter 5 and verse 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So when you think about the word justified, it means to render or declare one to be just, to be righteous or as he ought to be. Now, when we were saved, God imputed God, God imputed the perfect righteousness to our account. Right. And declared us to be perfect in his sight. So when you look at Romans chapter four and verse number 20 through 25, that's where you see that example there. So when God sees one of his redeemed children in the flesh, he does not see him as a sinner fit for hell. He sees him as a saint that's worthy for heaven. That's something that we ought to shout about. I'm glad that when God see me because I am now hid in Jesus Christ, watch this. He does not see me as a sinner who deserves hell, but he sees me as a saint that's going to heaven. Now, he does not see us as we are, people of God, and we should praise him for that. He sees us as he has made us and equipped us in Jesus Christ. And in Jesus, we are complete. Amen. I think I need to just give you a praise break right there, because as long as your life is intertwined with Jesus life and you are in Christ, watch this. You are complete. You are whole. Come on, somebody. 
You might be hurt. You might go through some things. You might get disappointed. But guess what? You are not incomplete. You are complete in Christ Jesus. According to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 10. You better go over there and read it. Now, in Jesus, we are secure. We are headed for glory, y'all, not because of what we have done, but all because of the perfect finished work of Christ on the cross of Calvary. That's why. Now, the saints have been have been altered. Now, when you look at verse four, B, then verse five, the saints have been adopted. Now, we've been altered, but here we are. We've been adopted. Not only have the saints of God been altered by the power of grace and salvation, we have also been adopted into God's family. Now, these verses reveal several truths about this matter, if you will, of our adoption, you know, into God's family. Now, when you look at this, the results of our adoption, this is what I want you to see. First of all, I want you to see the results of our adoption. Now, the moment that we were saved, we were uh we were adopted into the family of God, if you will. Okay. We were adopted into the family of God. Now, human adoption is a wonderful thing. I, I, and, I, and I believe in that. I really do. I believe in, in, in human adoption. I believe in adoption because there's so many children who, who need good parents in their life. So, but when human parents choose a child to adopt, they do so because they have found a child that they love and they want to be a blessing to that child. That is a wonderful thing to be admired for. OK, humans have been uh, adopting children for thousands of years. Now, this stuff didn't just start. It's been around a long time. In fact, adoption was quite common in the Roman world. If you think about it, uh, when a Roman citizen adopted a child, there were certain rules applied that brought great benefit to the one being adopted. Now, that word adoption means, watch this, to place as a son. Now, the picture of adoption is a beautiful picture of what God does for the repentant sinner. Right. So in the ancient world, the family was based on a Roman law called Patria, Patria Potestas. That's the word Patria Potestas or the father's power. In other words, that's what that means. The father's power. The law uh, gave the father absolute authority over his children. So long as the father lived, he had authority over his kids. He could work, he could enslave, he could sell. And if he wished, he could pronounce the death penalty upon his children, regardless of the child's adult age, either the father held all power and personal and, and, and also of the property rights of the child. So therefore adoption was a serious matter back then. Yet it was a common practice to ensure that a family would not become extinct by having no male children to carry on the name of the father. So when a child was adopted, there's three legal steps that I want to talk to you about that were taken when that child was brought into the home of, of, of the people who were adopting that child. So number one, the adopted son was adopted permanently. He could not be adopted today and then disherited tomorrow. Okay. So he became a son of the father forever. As long as he lived, he was part of that father's family. He was a son to that father. He was eternally secure as a son. Then number two, the 
adoption of a son immediately, uh, uh, adopt the son immediately had the rights of a legitimate son uh, in that new family, right? So just as much as the a son that was born into the family, this adopted son had the same amount of authority and rights. And then number three, the adoption uh, or the adopted son completely lost all rights in his old family. Make sure you get this. All right. So he, he lost all rights into his old family. The adopted son was looked upon as a new person. So knew that old debts and obligations connected with his former family were canceled out and abolished as if they never even existed. Now, that is what happened. <laughs> Child of God, I'm about to get excited. Jump about to this chair. That is what happened to us. When we came to Jesus Christ for salvation, y'all, we were instantly adopted into God's family and became, as the text says, children. Come on, somebody. Romans 8, chapter 15. We were removed from our old family and placed in Jesus. We were removed from the death and darkness of our past and reborn into the family and also into the kingdom of God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 tells us that. I want you to look. I don't have time to, to quote it. I don't want to go through it. But, but listen, think about it. We were adopted. We were brought into the family of God. So now uh, in Jesus Christ, watch this. We are the sons of God, right? We're the sons of God. That will remain our standing throughout eternity. Nobody, I, I got to make this emphatic, absolutely, positively, nobody can pluck us out of the hand of God. We are in God's hands. We are in the family of God. Nobody can remove us. Nobody can take us out. Okay, understand that until the day we die, we are part of God's family. So the road to our adoption, how did we get here? Verse five, look what it says. Go back. Verse five says that God, watch this, here's the word, predestined us unto the adoption of children. Now, the word predestined bothers a lot of people, you know, especially some folks. It should not cause us any concern. On the contrary, it should fill our hearts, you know, with a lot of praise. Now, the word means to foreordain or to decide beforehand or to predetermine. Now, election has to do with God's choice of some for salvation in eternity past. Predestined or predestination has to do with God's work in time to bring us to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, election determined who would be saved. Predestination determined that all those who would be saved would be adopted into God's family as his children. Now, the ultimate goal of predestination is God taking lost sinners, saving them by his grace and making them like his sons uh, the, or making him just like the son, Jesus Christ. That was his whole ultimate goal to take us from one condition and make us just like his son, Jesus Christ. Now it seemed that God now would not be satisfied <laughs> until 
he has surrounded himself with sons and daughters, right? It, it seems that God would not be satisfied until he had filled his entire family with a redeemed people who had been conformed to the image of his son, right? So it, it seems that, that God would not be satisfied until he had claimed for his son a perfect, a holy, and redeemed bride. So in whom was not with spot or blemish or wrinkle according to chapter five of the book of Ephesians. So, so God was at work. Watch this way before you were born to see to it. Good God, that you would cross paths with the gospel at the precise moment when you would be ready to hear it, then repent of your sins and embrace Jesus Christ for your salvation. That's enough. I'm telling you, man, that's enough to get excited and praise God. God, in his infinite wisdom, created your moment of salvation with perfect timing. Listen, every event in our lives up to the moment that you and I were saved, it was God working to bring us to faith in Jesus Christ. Every hurt, every heartbreak, every move, every miracle, every valley, every victory, every broken promise, every shattered dream in your life, everything that took place in this life was God placing us in sovereignly, precisely, perfectively so that we would hear the gospel, believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, be saved by his grace and become a child of the king. Thank God for how he brought us to Jesus. I don't know how he brought you, but I know how he brought me. And I can't help but give him glory. I can't help but praise his name. I'm about to get excited, y'all, because when I think about how God saved me and where he brought me from, and, and sometimes people say, well, he should have done it a long time ago. No, God's timing is perfect. Just like mama always say, God may not come when you want him, but guess what? He's always his timing is always right on time, right? So, so now, now that's the process. Now let's look at the realm. I want you to see the realm of our adoption. I want you to see the realm of our adoption. The only place, the only place adoption could occur was by Jesus Christ. When the son gave his life, to redeem his bride from her bondage and sin. Watch this. The door swung open for us to be adopted by the father. <laughs> Salvation is possible only because, only because of what the son did for us at Calvary. The death of Jesus on the cross made our adoption by the father a reality people of God. Not only that, but want you to see the reason. What was the reason for our adoption? It's right here in the text. The reason for our adoption, watch this, as sons, they're twofold. First, God predestined us to the adoption of children in love, right? According to verse four, God loved us. And because he set his love on us, he redeemed us and placed us in his family. Now, I, 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 I would be the first to admit that I cannot fathom for the life of me, the love of God. How, how can infinitely holy God love such vile creatures as you and me? Right. How could he? But yet the Bible tells us very clearly in scripture. It tells us very clearly that he does love us. 
In fact, his love for us was so great, the Bible says, that he gave his son to be the sacrifice for your sins and mine. Even when we were trapped in the darkness and deadness of our sins. Listen, God Almighty still loved you. And I'm gonna, I've got to pause right there just for a second because I don't know who might be listening to me right now. I want to tell you, I'm telling no matter where you are in this walk, no matter what you got going on in your life right now, this is the same God. Even in your mess, you might be sitting somewhere right now with your mind all messed up, jacked up, full of drugs and alcohol and everything else. But can I tell you that the God I serve, he still loves you. He loves you. God will take you with your dirt, with your mess, with all of your problems, with all of your issues. Whether folks done walked out on you, talked about you, called you everything but a child of God. We are his. Listen to me. Because he loved us. What's the second reason, Pastor, of our adoption? The second reason for our adoption has to do, watch this, with the good pleasure of God's will. God chose us. He redeemed us and adopted us for no other reason. That it pleased him to do it. That there was and is nothing in any of us that will cause God to set his grace and his love on you and me. He, he did everything he did for us in spite of what we are. Thank God that he did everything. He, he did just because he did it just because he wanted to. It brought him pleasure to do it. That's why he did it. He did what he did because doing it the way he did it brought him the most glory out of it. He did what he did because he loved us. That's why he did it. So you want to ask the question, why would he send his son, his only son to the cross to die for people who would turn their backs on him? To give his life for folk who would denounce their love for him. He did it because he loved us. The saints have been altered. The saints have been adopted. Now, let's get to verse 6. <laughs> It's going to bless you. The saints have been accepted. Oh, my God. Now, I've already touched on this earlier, you know, in, in, in the lesson. But God has accepted us through our relationship with Jesus Christ, right? When, when God saved us, he justified us, declaring us holy and adopting us as his children. Now, this verse adds a little bit more to that thought, all right? The place of our acceptance, where is it? This verse says that he has made us <laughs> accepted in the beloved. This simply means that it's a relationship that we have with Jesus that makes a person acceptable to God. Now, now God will never accept anyone in his or her own merits. OK, there is nothing that you can do to make God accept you. All right. Because the best we've, we've fallen we're fallen humans, right? We can produce nothing within ourselves as wretched and as dirty as we are in the eyes of God. Now, apart from Jesus, 
Every one of our efforts at religion and holiness are a sinful abomination to the Lord. Right. So but when when a lot of uh, souls came to Jesus by faith, that that lost sinner is forgiven of sin, adopted into the family of God and accepted by the father in heaven. Now, Jesus uh, and Jesus alone makes the difference between a life that is lost uh, you know, in God's eyes and, 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 and that one is definitely dependent or you got to be uh, relied upon by God in order that you may be saved. But John, John puts it this way. John, John blessed me with this. John puts it this way. John says, he that hath the son had life and he that hath not the son of God. Watch this does not have life, according to 1 John chapter 5. Now, several other verses make this thought even clearer, if you think about it, when you look at John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Um, when you look at John chapter 3 and verse 36, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. John chapter 5 and verse number 24, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me. Watch this, hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. First Corinthians chapter one and verse number 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, uh huh, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So the question for you today is this. Are you in the son? Have you believed on Jesus Christ and him alone for your salvation? If, if so, you should be rejoicing right now. If, if you've done that, you should be praising God right now. But listen, on the flip side of that coin, if not, you should take a moment and pause. Come to reality that you can't do nothing in this life without him. And you should come to Jesus right now. Call on him for salvation. That place, the only place for our acceptance is in the son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you got to see the purpose of our acceptance into the kingdom. Why would a holy God, why did God do all this for you and me? Why, why did he set his love on us? Why, why did he want us to be in his family? Why did he choose you and I? Why did he send Jesus to die on the cross for you and me? Why did God do all these things for the likes of sinners like you and me? He did it for the praise of the glory of his grace. That's a simple answer. He did it for the praise of the glory of his grace. Nothing more, nothing less. Above all, watch this. A God, God elects, God saves, he converts, he keeps, he blesses for his own glory. And as Paul would say in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. There is no other explanation for this. God does everything he does for his own glory, people. If you look at creation, if you will, everything that exists glorifies the Lord. 
Everything does his will and brings him glory. The beasts of the field glorify God. According to Isaiah, the heavens above declares his glory. According to the book of Psalms, the only rebels in God's universe are fallen angels. Mm -hmm. And guess who else? Fallen men and women who look just like me and you. But everything else in the creation glorifies and honors God. Now, the fallen angels have all been condemned to judgment already. They already know what their their fate is. They already know where they're going to be. They already know where they're going to spend eternity forever. They are hopelessly lost forever and ever and ever. And fallen men who will not repent of our sins and turn to Jesus Christ for salvation is going to join the fallen angels in the flames of hell. There is no ifs, ands, and buts about it. That is where they will endure God's wrath for eternity. I can't fix that. You can't change it. We can't twist it. We can't try to manipulate it in a way to make it benefit us and let us do what we want to do in this life. That's not going to happen. Because those that will not repent and give their lives to Jesus Christ before his everlasting eternity too late, guess what? They're going to spend the same fate as those fallen angels. Before this world was ever formed, God chose a body for his son. God chose to redeem some from sin so that he might be glorified through their salvation. God so worked out his plan that no one would be able to take credit for what he had been that what for what had been done. God did the choosing. God did the saving. God did the converting. God does the keeping. Those he has redeemed by grace live for him in this world. Bringing glory and honor to his name. That, that is why God completed the plan of salvation way before he ever created the world. He did it so that no man might claim the glory that belongs to God and God alone. If we had a part in our salvation, people of God, we would brag about what we did. We'd talk about it to our neighbors. Amen, somebody. We'd be on our job talking about what I did. And we'd be boasting. But since we're saved by grace and grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we have no ground from which to boast. We, we, we were just dead, y'all. We were blind sinners on our way to hell when he called us to come to Jesus. When we came, he gave us the faith to believe and he saved us by his grace. Now we're in him, eternally saved, y'all, and kept by his power. We can do nothing but lift our hands and voices to him and praise him for what he's done in us through saving us. Thus, we should live every moment, every fiber of our being, of our lives for the glory of God. We owe him that, people. We owe him that. My friend, I got to ask you the question again. If you're listening to me, are you saved? Has God in his sovereign power come to where you were, calling you to Jesus and saving your soul? Do you understand that you have what you have in Jesus simply because he got glory and received pleasure from your salvation? Don't sit here and think that you should humble yourself before him to thank him for his grace and his salvation, don't you? Don't you think that you should live every moment for the praise and the glory of God? Listen, if you are not saved... 
I invite you right now to come to Jesus Christ. You can do it today. You don't have to put it off. You don't have to linger. There ain't nothing else to think about. If he's calling you to come to him, he's going to save you. He will not turn you away. Has he spoken to your heart through this word that, that in this study today? Has he spoken to it? And if so, I want you to come and obey him as he leads you today. He's knocking. He's knocking at the door of your heart right now. If this message has blessed you and it's, and it's spoken to your heart and you're not saved, don't let nothing, don't let pride, don't let anybody, don't let nothing stand in your way from giving him your life. Because God has altered all of our courses, those of us who've given our lives to him. And I'll say this to you before I end this message or this lesson today. If you've given your life to him and you've fallen short, get back on track. Get back on track. You can do it. You don't have to linger. You don't have to wait. You don't have to put that off either. Just tell the Lord, forgive me for I've fallen. And guess what he's going to do? With open arms, just like the prodigal son, he'll accept you. Listen, my time is gone. I got four more messages than I got time. But I'm grateful for each of you for listening today. Take this message and share it with a family member, friend, or somebody who you know needs Jesus. And to hear what Jesus has done, how he's gone ahead of us to prepare a place for us. So the way he is, we can be there also. We are his sons. God bless you.